How are we doing this morning? Let's take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing. Lord God, I thank you for every person that is here today and those listening at my voice. I humble myself before you. <clears throat> I do recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need here today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Well, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4, uh, verse 23. And uh, we're just going to continue on uh, this uh, House of Worship series. This is the fourth week. And I want to talk to you about something really just practical. I want to just give you some practical points in the Scripture that uh, lay out worship. Uh, how many you know that if you aim for nothing, you're probably going to hit it? So you need to have a destination. You have to know. You have to know the Word of God. You have to know what the Word of God speaks about worship. Otherwise, we operate and do what we feel is best. <clears throat> now, I don't want to be that person that just does what they only feel best. I want to do what makes God pleased. Amen? This is a song that was one of my favorites. Uh, an old, it's going to date me here, a band in the 80s called Petra. They were a Christian rock band. Just a, and it was kind of almost taboo to listen to Christian rock. But uh, uh, they were, had amazing lyrics, and one of the songs was God Pleaser. And, and I just loved that song. And you listen to it today, and it's like almost prophetic for the life of a person. We want to be God pleasers. Amen? So <clears throat> types of worship, uh, John, John chapter uh, 423 has been in the text the last few weeks, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. So Jesus is speaking. He said, when true worshipers, so if he's clarifying that there's true worshipers, there must be some that are not actually wholeheartedly true worshipers, will worship the Father. And he says, in spirit and in truth, and the Father is looking. Somebody shout looking. That's what God is looking for. What does he mean he's looking? When you're looking for somebody, you're looking for them because you want to what? You want to come to them. You want to see them. You want to find them. I don't know about you, but I want God to see me. <laughs> and find me. Amen? And we know he sees there's nothing hidden with him, but he's, it's actually saying he's looking for those. He's drawn to those who were, worship him that way. So God is drawn to those that, that, that take what the Word of God says about worship, embrace it, and say, you know what? I'm not going to allow culture. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to let my Scandinavian, Norwegian, German, um, uh, Italian, and mix that, throw that toxic mix in there. I'm not going to let that hold me back. I'm not going to the opinions of other people hold me back. I'm going to allow what the Word of God says about worship, and I'm going to lean into that. Praise God. You still with me? Uh, last week we said, you know, what does uh, uh, worshiping in truth mean? And we said it means that we worship God. And that's who we worship God, and, and we need to know God's word uh, in order to worship him in spirit and truth. And, and, but this week, I just want to touch on, once again, practically some biblical ways to worship. You know, for some, expressing themselves in worship can be uncomfortable, especially if they're new believers. Uh, they, just, they, they don't have maybe a religious background, never really attended church. You know, you go to some churches in the congregation, they never stand up. They just sit down to worship, okay? Some, they don't sing. They just, they're just stoic there. 
Uh, they just sit <clears throat> and listen to the worship music. Others may sing, but they don't play instruments because instruments are of the devil in some churches, you know. Uh, <clears throat> and still others will be waving their hands, shouting and running around as the band plays every kind of instrument. And those are the swinging from the chandelier charismatics. <clears throat> so, so what is the right way to worship? <laughs> That's the question I want to address today. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, the Bible outlines several different types of worship, and they're all appropriate. They're all appropriate, each having its place. And I just want to examine some of them. And so if you take taking notes, <clears throat> I'm going to go through this quickly here, and we're going to have a time of worship at the end. Types of worship. The first one is the Hebrew word barak. It's mentioned 330 times in the Old Testament. <clears throat> barak actually means to kneel to kneel, to bless God, to bow down as an act of adoration. And so I'm just going to do a physical showing of what that means. That means it is appropriate in worship at times to kneel before our God. To, to kneel before God Almighty. It is appropriate. That's part of being a Christian. To Come on, somebody. I want you to get the full effect here, okay? Let's just say it. We worship God to, kneel, to bow down in adoration. Amen, somebody? And so <clears throat> adoration, and it's a, it's a heightened form of praise. It is a praise that goes beyond words and includes acts of worship. And some of times it's taking off shoes, bowing the knee, lifting the hands while you're on your knees. Psalm 95.6 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel, Barak, before the Lord, our maker. So kneeling before God is appropriate. And kneeling before God is permissible in this house. <laughs> Are you awake this morning? Amen? <clears throat> Barak worship communicates that the Lord holds a place of importance and helps us remember just how great our God is and how we are not God, and that we need him daily in our life. <clears throat> Barak worship is not done out of a begging attitude, but rather an expectant attitude, because the Lord is more than willing and able to move on our behalf. And so we, we bow before God because he is holy, he is righteous, he is, he is the king, he is the creator of all. Amen? <clears throat> Once again, it's a story here in Luke 7 about the sinful woman that came to Jesus. And uh, she began to weep, and there's different, um, uh, uh, in, in the four Gospels, uh, there's different instances here of that happening, uh, not just uh, one. And she began to weep and kiss his feet and wash them with her tears, and she used her hair to dry. And some say that it was Mary Magdalene, the, the prostitute, the one that uh, in Luke 8, it says that Jesus cast seven devils out of her. How many know that if you're involved in prostitution, you're going to have some devils? Come on, somebody. <clears throat> and that's where the enemy takes abode in people's lives and drives them and keeps them in a spiral. Am I speaking to anybody? A spiral of bondage, and it's actually demons. <clears throat> and they're real. And so, <clears throat> so the, a Pharisee named Simon invites Jesus to his house to eat, and he's probably you know, <clears throat> flattered by Jesus, says, hey, come to my house. Jesus went, and that's where this situation takes place. But when Simon sees this woman and what she's doing, he says, 
He said, the Bible says this. It's found a very interesting. He said, he thought or spoke within himself. How many know what that means? That means you can say nothing, but you're thinking something. How many know God knows your thoughts? And that's it. Jesus, it's, it doesn't say that he spoke out loud like, hey, what, Jesus, what are you doing here? With this? this is a sinful woman. She's a prostitute. You're letting her touch your feet while you're eating? I mean, he said it all inside, and he may have looked very pious, but he was thinking that out loud inside his spirit. And here's the thing. God knew his thoughts. <laughs> God knows your thoughts. God knows your thoughts even right now. Some of you just perked up right then and there. <laughs> in, 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 in nothing public was said. And he's like, he's one of this woman's defiled. So if Jesus was a true prophet, he would have known that. So I guess he's not a true prophet. All this is going on in his mind. And I just love how Jesus responds to him. And he says, uh, I have something to ask you, Simon. Say on, master. Yes, say on. And he talks about the story <clears throat> uh, of the lender that had two debtors. And he said uh, uh, one of them was owed 500 pence and the other 50 and it says that they weren't able to pay. We know the story. It says that he forgave both of them. And he, Jesus asked Simon a question. He said, who loved him more? And he goes, well, I suppose the one that was forgiven much. Can you say amen? <clears throat> and Jesus says, many sins are forgiven her. For she loved much. In other words, if you look that up in the Greek, it means she did not cease kissing my feet. Wow. That's pretty low. Isn't that right? <clears throat> but that woman understood the depths of depravity. That woman in her life understood that how low a human being can go. And she came, and it says, in the Greek, this is actually what it means, this phrase. It means the kissing of his feet was a supplication and a prayer. It was an adoration. It was worship to Jesus. That... So when we bow, when we worship, it is adoration, it is praise, it is a supplication, it is uh, worship, I worship. And she, she worshiped the Lord by bowing and kneeling down. How many see that say amen? <clears throat> and then Jesus says to Simon, to whom little is forgiven, he does love little. So you could say it this way in light of this series. To whom uh, those who feel they're not really forgiven much, don't really need to worship much. I just want you to think about that. But those who understand that they've been saved from hell, those that understand that they were in a direct train wreck going to destruction, those that know that they were wicked in their soul and they needed redemption, worship God much, are thankful for God delivering them from the pit of hell. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. That's the God we serve. Can you say amen? She was brokenhearted. Anyone who has been forgiven for only a little will show only a little love or receives little forgiveness. You know, sin has weight to it. Let me say that again. Sin has weight. You know, we've taken numerous trips. We traveled overseas in many of these countries. But uh, I don't know if some of you remember the old airlines, TWA. Some of you may have stock. Uh, I, I think it was it. T yeah, TWA is gone now. Uh, but back then in the early 90s, we flew a lot of TWA out of Fargo and missionary Peter Mel. And uh, I started taking numerous trips to Russia and Ukraine after communism, at least the wall came down and 
then, and we went into those countries, and I was there, traveled 13 times in 12 years, uh, uh, ministering the gospel in crusades and, 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 and um, you know, being a part of what was God doing at that time. Well, we would bring supplies over. And at the time, you could have a box that was, remember the, remember the weight at 70 pounds? Some of you remember international travel? <laughs> now it's like, a, you, you know, if it doesn't fit in there, back to the, go unpack. One time we were, <laughs> well, I don't know where we were at, Ron and I, and, and we were like a, 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 like a half a pound over. And the guy was not cutting it. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Cutting me no slack. And so he goes, back to the line. I'm like, we're a half a pound. And then you look around and I'm like, can maybe this go here? I mean, <laughs> half a pound? Anyhow, it was, it was frustrating. But, but we would bring all this baggage uh, over all these boxes. And Pete was like, we got to bring these boxes. So you, you need to take like seven boxes. They would let, he got permission. So these huge boxes, we would take and load up and <clears throat> we would have to, when we landed, whether in Amsterdam or whatever, take them out and then reload them back on another plane. And then when we got there, we had to go to customs in, in Moscow and then even in uh, uh, Kiev and you had to take and load all these boxes. And he would say, now, go through customs. And this is the green line. You have nothing to declare. I said, I got nothing to declare? I don't know what's in these boxes. I mean, it was computer stuff. It was paper. It was stuff for the churches that people gave. So it was God's stuff in my mind. But I felt like, you know, the moment he said, go through there, I'm thinking, I'm going to prison. I'm never, you know, <laughs> I'm pushing these, you know, carts. I'm just thinking, this is it. It's over. And at times, you know, they'd pull it out and open up one. What is this stuff? And the response I was told to say, it's, it's God's stuff. It's for the Lord. He has need of it. A lot of times they just wrap it up. And then well, Pete said, well, Mike, also, I want you to make up some, uh, like, little uh, diploma-looking, uh, you know, cert certification and put on it that this stuff is used for the Lord and the churches for God and, and put all these embossed stamps and gold things. And we used it. And they, you know, they look at it and go, okay. <laughs> That's how we got the stuff through. And God's church received what they needed. But, but the point was is that I, the moment we made it through and it handed it off to the van, I was like, ah, I don't have to worry about that. Why? Because sin carries weight like baggage. Every sin I commit in thought, word, deed is transformed, uh, transformed into baggage, and I carry that around with me, and so do you. As the weight accumulates, at least for the believer, uh, I begin to experience dryness in my worship and prayer life, but for the unbeliever, here's the thing, those weights keep accumulating, and accumulating, and weighing, in weighing, and you have no ways and means to get rid of it outside of Jesus Christ. That's the only way to get rid of that rid of that weight. How many with me? Say amen. And so what happens is we make excuses for not worshiping at church, reading the Bible, fellowshipping with other believers. What it is, it's a weight that God wants it off of your life. Can I get an amen? And so does your worship feel stiff? Does it feel cold? Is it unemotional, or, or does it lack passion of the gratitude in your life? How many with me say amen? 
And so the more we express our sorrow for sin, Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, talks about godly sorrow. It brings repentance that leads to salvation, and it leaves no regret. Amen? I love that. 2 Corinthians 7. But the more we express our sorrowful sin and our love to Jesus, the clearer, watch this, the clearer evidence we have of the forgiveness of our sins, the deeper our worship will be. Do you want deep worship? Deal with the sin. Oh, amen, somebody. Come on. Don't let it linger. Don't just like, well, you know, I did that, whatever, and that happened, whatever. Hey, no big deal. God loves me. Well, he does love you. But if he's, the spirit of conviction is on you, deal with that. Lay that down. Say, Lord, wash me, cleanse me. Not in a sin consciousness mindset, but a righteousness consciousness. Amen. But we just get, you know, you have to, uh, rip, repentance is still in the Bible. Okay? It's still, it's still in there. I haven't read where it's, uh, it disappeared. It's still in the Word of God. And so, that the deeper your worship will be. Simon, he imagined he had little to be forgiven, therefore he loved little. Had he been a true saint, he would have recognized his debt. One Bible commentator says that the confessions of the holiest are also the most heart-rending because the most fully because excuse me they most fully recognize the true nature of sin what is wanted to awaken much love is not much sin for we all have that qualification but a deep sense of sin of conviction so barak is a type of worship to kneel to worship and there are times when you you know repent and there's things heavy it's, it's appropriate to come to the altar, to kneel at the altar. Can I get an amen? Amen. And to worship, to pray. And it's times you can weep and pour out your heart to the Lord. How many with me? Say amen. All right. Moving along. Spent a little time on that one. But the second one I would say is, is the word halal. It's the root word where we get hallelujah. That's where it comes from. And it means to be clear. It means to shine. It means to boast. It actually means to rave. It means to celebrate. It actually means, watch this, ready? Ready? Scandinavian, Norwegian, Germans. Be clamorously foolish. Hallelujah! <laughs> That's appropriate. Oh, man, they, they shout, uh, the church, I don't know. They, they're raising their hands and shouting hallelujah. Hello, it's in the Bible, and it's not done away with. Some of you are getting some of you are getting stirred right now thinking he's unlocking the key of my heart. Go right ahead. Hallelujah. It's in the Bible. It appears more than 110 times in the Old Testament. It translates to shine, the boast, to rave. And uh, Psalm 149:6 says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouths. The high praises of God. Hello, worship was used in Ezra in the Old Testament, Ezra chapter 3, uh, verses 10 to 13. I'm just going to take a moment and just read it, and it is further testified as a, a great shout, almost like a battle cry or a victory shout. And this actually I can attribute to even here at Harvest. Let me read. Uh, it says, when the builders had finished laying the foundation of the temple, the priests put on their robes and blew trumpets in honor of the Lord. Well, the Levites from the family of Asaph Praise God with symbols, all of them following the instructions given years before by King David. Then he goes on to say, they praised the Lord and gave thanks as they took turns singing, the Lord is good, 
He is faithful. He is faithful. His love for Israel will last forever. And then it says everyone started shouting and praising the Lord because the work on the foundation of the temple had begun. You know, when we laid the foundation of this building uh, last spring, uh, uh, the year before, the, I was shouting. I was excited. I came out here and did a video. I saw the dozers out here. It was an exciting time. Why? Because the temple of the Lord would be built. Somebody say amen. And it says, many of the older priests and Levites and the heads of the families, they wept bitterly because they remembered seeing the first temple years before. But others were so happy, they celebrated with joyful shouts. Their shouting and crying were so noisy that it all sounded alike. So it's appropriate for people to be joyful. But you may not feel that. You may be a moment of just weeping and before the Lord. It's all part of worship. It's all part of worship, and they celebrated. Halal worship is worship with praise, and it's an exciting worship. We see in First Chronicles 16.4, David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the ark of the Lord. So to invoke his blessings, to give thanks, and the Bible says, and to praise the Lord, Halal the God of Israel. So that was not a quiet time. That is a boisterous, loud praise to God. And I can't imagine a more wondrous noise raving about all that the Lord is and all that he has done. Amen. Even here at Harvest, we see in the miracle of this building and his temple. And think of, I think back and I smile every time and I, I do shout a praise the Lord when I think of where churches shut their doors and, and people were hunkered down. They were hiding behind masks and, and, and we were told that, you know, half the nation is going to die. This is a horrible, horrible thing. And, and uh, people couldn't come to worship. People had addictions and it was a horrible time for the world. But harvest opened its doors. And Harvest said, you know what, in Pentecost 2020, we're not shutting our doors again. We're staying open. We're going to worship God, and people are going to be able to see your face and shout, Hallelujah! And it's been that way ever since. Hallelujah. It's a miracle. And that's how we shout, Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Well, quickly, Shabbat. Shabbat means to shout loudly to command. Psalm 47.1, it says, Come, everyone, clap your hands. Oh, there we go again. Clapping is permissible in church. Did you know that? I know it may be new, but to clap is praise and worship. Clap your hands, and not only that, shout to God with a joyful praise. So clapping and going, Hallelujah, God is good, He's awesome is all appropriate, and whatever else you want to worship the Lord God with. Amen? It means to shout loudly or command. Now, it's not simply about being loud. It is focused. It is, it, 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 it's a focus to, to worship the Lord with your whole being. I think about, in the Old Testament, the pagan king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, and he had a great kingdom, and God allowed him to be established. But the Bible says he allowed uh, pride in his heart. He thought, look what I have done. And the moment that happened, he became like a madman. And the Bible says that, you know, he, as the king, groped around and was out in the field and probably the king's court and all his attendants there thinking he, he's just mad. For seven years, his nails grew, there's hair all over his body. He would, 
He was like a wild animal for seven years. And then it says this, that God, after seven years, restored him uh, to his sanity. And uh, it says in Daniel 4, 37, he says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, I praise and exalt and glorify, I shabak, the king of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Clear picture in there of not walking in pride. Amen? Amen? So shabak means to shout loudly, to command. That is appropriate worship. Another one is uh, tehillah, to sing praises, singing out or singing in the spirit spontaneously. Sometimes you read that in the Bible, you wonder, what does that mean? At this, That's what this means in the Hebrew. Psalm 22.3 says, But you are holy, O you who dwell in the holy place, where the praises, Tehillah, of God of Israel are offered. Tehillah means to sing unrehearsed. Unrehearsed. So in other words, it's not something you memorize. Uh, it's unplanned praises to the Lord. How many have ever sang in the car? Have you ever worshipped in the car? There was a time I was worshipping, and it's so moved by God. I was on I-94. I pulled over because I was worshipping, praising, so excited. I got out of the car, and I ran around the car. <laughs> Someone would have drove by and think, is that Pastor Mike? He's lost it. He's lost his mind. No, I was shouting praise and excited what the Lord had done and was doing. Amen? To sing praises to God. Uh, singing in the spirit, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s, even into some of the 90s, there was a lot of what they call the singing in the spirit. There were a spontaneous flow of praise that would happen. And I pray that for harvest. I pray that is released more here at Church for the Harvest, where there is a flowing and a praise, not just the front three rows. Now, I'm not trying to be mean, okay, but I'm just saying that, that if you feel that, you know what, maybe you're distracted in the back, come on, there's room up in the front, amen? But I want all the roles to be able to lift and to praise and to worship the King of Kings. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Tehillah, to sing praises. Ephesians 5.19, when you meet together, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Tehillah, as you praise the Lord with all your heart. With all your heart. Amen. Someone once said the first consequence of the spirit-filled life that Paul mentioned was not mounting moving faith or dynamic speaking ability or any other such thing. It was simply a heart that sings. You say you're spirit-filled? Sing. Worship. Worship God. Then you could say, you know what? That man's spirit-filled. That woman, she's spirit-filled. Not acting spooky or weird. Amen. When I think about apathetic worship, one Bible commentator says this. He talks about jubilant. He says, joyful, jubilant, heartfelt singing is one evidence that a church is spirit-filled. I'm going to say that again. Joyful, exuberant, heartfelt singing is one evidence that a church is spirit-filled. Lifeless, listless, apathetic worship is not worship at all. Okay? And he says this, he says, it is a sinful disregard of the majesty and grace of our great God. And it shows that we are not under the control of his spirit, who produces overflowing joy in his people. It reveals that we are not captured by God's abundant grace, and we are not thankful for his many blessings to us. Wow. We don't want to be that. Amen. 
We don't want to be that. Telah. Another one, a ways to worship. Torah. Uh, Tada. I think of the, how it's pronounced. It actually means, watch this, extending hands, acting out of thanksgiving for what he has done. So, if someone blesses you and does something, you know, you say what? I'm thankful. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, when we do that to the Lord, a way of expressing that worship and thanksgiving, God answers a prayer, something, there's a breakthrough. We what? We can, ta-da, thanks, extend hands. Psalms 50, 23. But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. Can you say amen? So tada is a type of worship that includes extending your hands. Let me just do a practical showing what that means. This is what this means. Just thought I'd have to, you know, show that again. One more time. I'll do it on this side. So, so what this means in the Bible for the believer is you can... Hallelujah! It's permissible. It's encouraged. We want to worship our God. Extending the hands. Acting out of thanksgiving. Uh, raising them in thanksgiving for something that has been done or will be done. So it's even beforehand. Lord, I know you're good in this situation. We need to turn around. So I'm going to worship you right now beforehand. Before it even happens, I'm going to, I'm going to worship you. A thank offering is an offering to God not because of sin, but because of one's joy in God's provision and care. Hebrews 13, 15 says, talks about how we bring the sacrifice of praise. So this is a major component when we come and you feel heavy that week. You feel you need breakthrough. You feel like lions and bears have been chasing you all week and you finally get here in the church and you just think, huh, it's been horrible. Fought with my wife. Fought with my husband, fought with the cat, fought with the dog, kicked the cat. You know, I mean, I don't know. I, but the boss was chewing me out. This happened, that. Overdraft charges. Come on, somebody. It's just on and on and on. We don't just come to church and just go, whoa, it's me. All right, well, see what you got, worship team. They ain't hitting on nothing. No, when we need a breakthrough, we step out and we worship. God, we need a breakthrough. And I worship you in spirit and truth. And I lift my hands to you today. But you're worthy. When praises go up, blessings come down. That all literally means an extension of the hands in adoration, an open statement of affirmation. It means frank acknowledgement or admission of acceptance. It means to adore. Psalm 104. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, ta-da, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Ta-da is a praise-filled confession that God's word is infallible in working in your circumstance. <clears throat> it's like a thanksgiving offering. And then similar to that, the root word is we get the word yada. Yada is also extending of the hands vigorously. Um, that's, it comes to the root word there. Yada praise means to extend your hands vigorously as in complete surrender. So it could mean where we, uh, toda, we worship God, 
There's also a raising of hands where we surrender to God. We can, we can even position our hands as, a, as an act of Lord. We surrender to you. We worship you in spirit, in truth. How many see that? Say amen. It appears 111 times in the Bible. And yada means to revere or worship with extended hands, to acknowledge, to praise, to give thanks, to lift the hands. So what am I trying to say here? What is the Spirit of God trying to say? Watch this. Worship is closely related to a physical action. Did you get that? Worship is related to a physical action. And we truly want to be those that worship in spirit and in truth. Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, excuse me, 2021, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk around of the uh, walk ahead of the army sing to the lord and praising him for his holy splendor and this is what they sang give thanks to the lord his faithful love endures forever praise god praise god yada is responding to god by lifting our hands in praise. Psalm 9.1 says, I will praise, I will yada thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Um, when I, I use this illustration, I believe last week in Exodus 17, when the children of Israel were in war against the Amalekites, the Bible says that Moses positioned himself on a hill overlooking the battle, and he's raised his hands in the staff of God, and the Israelites would win as long as he held that staff of God up and he raised his hands. But then when he got tired and he began to drop it down, it said that the Amalekites would, would prevail. So what happened? Aaron and Hur supported Moses by helping him raise his hands. You know, that tells me when we come on Sunday, sometimes many of you don't, you're, you're tired, you're weary. That's where we need one another to encourage one another, to love on one another. In a sense, we're lifting you up. We're saying, you know what? You're going to make it. You're going to come through this. God is with you. God is with you. Can you say amen? <clears throat> I'm almost done here. The last one. Oh, I don't know what happened here. I think they're going to want to see the last slide there. So, <clears throat> so uh, bring up the last one. Bizemar means to touch the strings. Here we have instruments. And those that have, uh, uh, you know, submitted themselves to, to play an instrument or singing, it includes singing, musical accompaniment, touching the strings as you play a bass, a rhythm guitar, electric guitar, or you're playing on the keys, or, or even the drums. All of that, Zamar, that is, a, that is a worship to God. Do you hear that? That is a worship of adoration and praise to God. As Zamar means touching the strings. It involves rejoicing and making music to the Lord. And once again, Psalm 150, uh, 3 to 6 says this, says, Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. How many are starting to see that musical instruments can be used to glorify God? All right? And, and he said, Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging of cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Stand with me, if you would, this morning. I have just a last slide here about a challenge to us all. And the challenge is this. Will you be willing, if they get that, if they could pull that up. Uh, here's the thing. I shared all this. It's from the Word of God. The question this morning is, are you willing to be stretched? 
Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to stretch you in worship? And this isn't just for adults. This isn't for senior citizens. This is for young people. Worship. I can remember the first time that I... I mean, I shared the, the, the story a few weeks ago about being baptized back in the late 70s in Hershey, Pennsylvania, water baptized. And shortly after that, I would... Uh, I just felt this presence on my life. It was the presence of the Lord. And I believe I was 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. And for no reason, nobody told me, nobody made me do anything. But uh, at that time, there was a real push for getting records. How many remember records? Records, door to door, and they would get this kind of a gospel Christian uh, songs they were they were worshipful songs, but they were for kids. And the one record I remember was called "Bullfrogs and Butterflies." <laughs> you can actually find it. I won't try to sing it because it would be bad. But I would I would play the record. All right, thirteen years old. Everyone's outside, whatever. And I just I would play this record, and they would talk about Noah, how he makes the ark, and there was music behind it. And then they would talk about worship and praise. And there was a song in there, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, I love you. And as a young boy, I kept playing that record. And I felt God. I, I experienced the Lord. And I want you all to know that he's still alive. He still wants to come into your life, touch you. He is real. His presence is real. And his presence is here. You just need to be willing and saying, you know what? I'm going to lay aside cultural norms. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm within my heart what he's telling me to do. I'm going to worship in spirit and in truth. When it's time to stand, I'm going to stand. When it's time to clap, I'm going to clap. When it's time to raise my hand, I'm going to raise my hands. I might not feel like it, but I'm going to do it because I love him. And I know he loves me. Every head bowed here this morning. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to stretch you, to speak to you, these areas of worship. I want to pray for two groups of people here. The first is those you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I'm not right. Know it. When I talked about sin has weight, you feel the weight of sin. Feel that. And it's heavy and it's compounding and it's destroying your soul. Jesus is here to lift that baggage, to take the weight, to take all those sins and wash them away. Only He can do that. Only Jesus can do that. You're here this morning, you're saying, I need the baggage gone. I need the weight lifted. I need Jesus to forgive me. That's you here this morning. I want to pray with you. 
We're going to pray corporately. You're not joining this church, but you are joining the family of God. If you're willing to make Christ Lord of your life, He will lift the weight of sin off of your spirit. And He will come into your spirit man or spirit woman. And He will fill you with His presence. And He will be the God of your life. If that's you, let's pray together. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Jesus, this day, I give you my life. Now take it. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.